What's up, guys? Our wrestling podcast back at you with another episode. This is Dave Vicious along with Justin Total Package and Craig, the British Bulldog, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. Today's topic, what happened to Herb Abrams, UWF? On audio, uh, please give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast, or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. On social media, can you hook us up with a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019 or on Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast? What is the UWF, Jess? This little shiny gem that you brought us this week. I, I know it's, I getting, know, Craig, it's, getting, it's getting some movement this week, right? Don't you Can you, uh, Craig is so opinionated yeah. about this, but. Yeah, this was my idea. I, 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 I've always been uh, kind of fascinated with Herb Abrams and the UWF. And uh, I actually asked Jess, I was like, Jess, can we, I mean, it's been two years. Can we kind of do something on Herb Abrams and the UWF? And I, I'd really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you know, uh, what the hell? I'm, I'm glad that we kinda, a, I've been it, asking for a Jamie Noble profile for months and no one's yeah. listening to mine. I know. And I come out with this shit. <laughs> I, my friend, you know, Craig gave me a really good thread actually about last week, and it was uh, called "What If?" And I'm actually working on some of those topics, and I just fell behind this week. But so Craig did, and this is not Craig's fault. This is my fault to do Herb Abrams. <laughs> so I went down this rabbit hole, and Conrad does a podcast with Mick Foley. And last week, well, I don't know when this is going to air, but as we're recording this, about a week ago, um, they did a uh, uh, an episode uh, to for Herb Abrams UWF because Foley wrestled for him. Uh, during that time and um so he's talking about him and all that stuff and then i remember they did a vice um uh, that's right dark side yeah. of the ring yeah yeah they did dark side of the ring on vice uh for that like two three years ago called like the cocaine cowboy or something similar to that cocaine something <laughs> and so um and so i was like dude like i'm gonna go back so i went on youtube and i started just typing in herb abrams uwf and they have all their power hours on there they have their only two pay-per-views on there which are all all of it's atrocious um but i just started watching it just going and then watching like uh the dark side of the ring episode then listening to foley's podcast and i went down this herb abrams rabbit hole and i just did tons of blow not really and everything <laughs> and just got, not really not at all as a matter of fact but uh yeah i just uh you know was like dude we gotta do something on this because a lot of people equate tony khan to herb abrams saying like he's just that's a fan not, that's not he was a, he was a fucking fan i'm like no no it like Tony Khan's eight at EW, no matter what people want to say, is not a failure. It's a success. And I'm not saying it's going to last forever, but it's done its job for now. And we'll see if he gets better or worse. This, Herb Abrams UWF, this is a failure. This so, is a, a bad idea. This I'm looking, is the I'm, I'm perfect looking example over... of a fan just getting their hands on money and just, just yeah. putting it on cocaine hookers and UWF. This is exactly what he did. Those three things in that order. That's fantastic. Um, I was going to say I want to make sure we I didn't um, you know speak before them, but according to uh, some stuff you sent me, Jess, there's been sources that have stated that Herb Abrams on his pay per views on on his gate that he sold didn't sell anything. It's actually the biggest gate loss ever because he paid every fan fifty dollars to show up. What he might have? <laughs> well, well, that guy for the fo folks who don't know, that guy started a promotion. Where he decided he was going to look major league, he was going to tape his television, and he was going to have a big crowd because he was going to pay the fans to come in and be his audience for his television taping. So he paid a thousand people fifty bucks a piece, and to this day, it is the largest negative house ever in wrestling. Now, people of these big companies, they've lost more money on a show 
but not on actually just a gate. It was negative fifty thousand dollars. We paid the fans fifty grand to be there. That's what. That's what. That was according to. He some might have, and you're going to get into some of the attendances in these fucking big arenas. <laughs> so and I'm like, what? Like, so it was like five thousand fans showed up. It was like minus fifty thousand at the gate. Um, at one of these yeah. pay per views, <laughs> you know, in hindsight, that didn't work out. But uh, yeah, let's just let's just jump right into this little gym. This is fantastic. Um, <clears throat> Herb Abrams founded the UWF in 1990 to try to challenge Vince McMahon's World Wrestling Federation on a national level. He announced the promotions Nailed formation it. at John Reese's Wrestling Fans Fantasy <laughs> Weekend convention in August of 1990. Despite having no experience in the wrestling business, Abrams was given a budget of $1 million by Sports Channel America to develop a weekly television series, which would become the UWF Fury Hour. Hold on. Hold so, <laughs> I don't think they were just giving out television contracts. Yeah, who, back who, there. Was, I don't who even... was giving random people a million dollars to start a wrestling? What is uh, what is that channel? Sports Channel America. I'd never heard of it. And how? And where did they get a million dollars from? It I sounds, think it was a lo- yeah, I think it was local, like a uh, um, almost like Fox Sports Nets. Sports channels were like local affiliates. I think I could be completely they a million wrong, dollars, but. That, I that don't feel, fucking. That, that, and that why did like, they say let's put it on this unproven wrestling? Promotion? I know some rich people are like wrestling easy ratings. What? Let's do it. Mm, buy a ring. Here's a million dollars. Hey, Herb Abrams. It sounds mafioso to me. Like there's some kind of laundry underneath or something going on. Like just hand them a million. Well, dollars. Yeah, you think about it. I mean, Yakuza in uh, New Japan. Like there's a lot of mafia related stuff in wrestling. It seems like it's because it's fixed, right? And back in the day, the history of it of wrestling in general is fixed sports where you think it's real. So yeah. maybe, but maybe. not in 1990, you dumb fucks. <laughs> <laughs> really? And, oh, and this is man. why I'm, I'm very, very interested in this because uh, this is after the territories fell. It's different when we go yeah. back and talk about Bill Watts after he bought Mid-South and he turned it into Bill Watts' as UWF, right. which They're you should not, you should not be not the same. Yeah. Yeah. You not should not one. confuse Bill Watts UWF with this because it's not the same. But like they had television deals, local markets like they were established. Crockett was awesome. Like it was fun. And like all these things, all, you know, uh, Dallas, Texas with the Von Erics and everything was like a huge deal. AWA Vern in the early eight, late 70s, early 80s. A big deal. Yeah. Um, this was not that wrestling climate. After all that fell, this is early 1990s. Wrestling in America was getting ready to go into a big depression. Like, because yeah. everybody had seen it all. WWF had dominated everything and put everybody else out of business or bought everything. That there was no one left except for Ted Turner's WCW at this point, who was struggling on their own. Yeah, they um, weren't. They I weren't just, making money. It's either. so fucking I mean, fascinating. This is so fucking but, fascinating. But here's like, the thing: I, I mean, when you when you look at these names, and and maybe it wasn't big names at the time, but overall, they're big names. We're just thinking about who he was able to bring in. So. Only one sport gives you this much action. Only one series packs this much punch. And there's only one place in the world you can get the biggest, the baddest, the roughest, the toughest brawls in professional wrestling. Catch the greatest excitement on television with the sizzling, sensational, bone-crushing action of the Universal Wrestling Federation. The first Fury Hour tapings were held in Reseda County Club in the fall of 1990. And featured, which is basically just like it's an enclave above LA in the valley. Reseda is in the valley. Yeah. Look at him. Look at him. Yeah, is that Herb Abrams. Um, 
Yeah. That's Herb Abrams with the yeah. UWF oh my Sports he, Channel television he bleached, it, he bleached his hair. Oh my goodness! He's looking at this Bleak. serious coke face. Like, we oh, uh, we made better we made better belts than that. Keep it together, together, Herb. Keep it together. Show the belt. <laughs> but but listen, but listening to some of these names, you got uh, you got you got Billy Jack Haynes, Bob so, Orton Jr., Brian Blair, Cactus Jack, Colonel De Beers, Dan Spivey, David San Martino, Don Morocco, Ivan Koloff, Kim Patera, Paul. You should have said David San Martino. Uh, that's fine. Whatever. Steve it's Williams. All washouts. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, but people like these guys. So the top homegrown talent He's included like the guy Wild Thing, Stevie Ray, and Cutie Pie, Louis Spicoli, uh, Bruno San Martino, and Lou Albano were hired as comedy. Welcome to Flavortown. <laughs> oh no! Uh, the promotion held a taping in New York City at the New York Penta in January of 1991. Uh, that became plagued with legal issues. Um, wow. Why? <clears throat> that's why? not true. Yeah, it never that's happened. That's a lie. Well, why did That's a lie. Yeah, the the World well, Wrestling Federation lying, would just send cease and desist like crazy to the UWF after oh. all. talking about Rick Root appeared on camera. Uh, both, both had recently World walked out of the WWF but were still under contract to the company. Honky Tonk Man would later explain that the check he received from Abrams for this taping had bounced and he filed a formal complaint with the New York State Athletic Commission to get reimbursed. In fact, I was telling a story the other night. He had two bank accounts. He paid Andre, and he paid Killer Kowalski, and he paid uh, Bruno, and they were paid on one checking account. Then when he paid myself and Bob Orton Jr. and, and some more guys, Greg Valentine, we get home on a Monday, take the check to the bank, and they said, this account's been closed. So he was giving us checks on closed accounts. Well, this that son of a bitch bounced his check is, to the honky tonk man. Did he say this anybody is getting, gave this, him, like, is, this is this is amazing. Like this, this <laughs> let me tell you something about this that athletic was, that competition. Was I never got paid. <laughs> honky always got a promo. Like he's that's just the what honky said in his lawyer's like office. He's, he's like court? the yeah. honky tonk man has an issue. He likes to take up with you if you can like. And just I'm sorry. I just said man. state your name, please. Huh. <laughs> honky tonk man. Uh, Why does it say shake, right and roll in the back of your slacks? <laughs> oh, the honky tonk man don't, always wears don't, these don't, don't ask questions of the honky tonk man. The honky tonk man has a bounce check problem. Are you going to help him or not? That's right. Abrams hired Howard Brody, the, owners, the owner of Ladies Major League Wrestling, to help him expand UWF into the Florida market in mid-1991. That's legit. Following several house shows and a television taping at Universal Studios Florida, Brody was entrusted with finding a venue for the promotion's first pay-per-view event in June of 91 called Beach Brawl. Well, it's getting better, oh, right? It's getting better. So no, it's I mean, not. As far it's as getting, names go. It's not getting, it's not getting better. <laughs> Brody suggested the uh, o- o- is it Odium? Sorry, uh, Expo Center in Chicago. Abrams insisted on holding Beach Brawl at the Manatee Civic Center in Palmetto, Florida. That sounds like a real pl- great place to be. Uh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. The pay-per-view was a disaster in both attendance. Uh-huh. Only 550 people showed in a 4,000-seat venue, and pay-per-view <laughs> buys were pretty much non-existent. Um, following Beach Brawl, uh, Abrams ran one he's, final no, he's, television He's a little bit taping. more stressed. You see this? He's a little bit more stressed. Like, this one, he's starting to fall apart. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this guy. He's losing his shit. Um, yeah. How many uh, people? He held, How many? he held one final television taping at the War Memorial Auditorium before running out of fresh footage for Fury oh. Hour. He had struck a deal with Brody to use footage from Ladies Major League Wrestling to fulfill his content creation obligations to Sports Channel America. 
and the two parted ways in the fall of. Do we know how Herb Abrams made his money before wrestling? I didn't really see. Let's see. So well, he, uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't using his own money anyway, right? I mean, honestly. And let, was he just a TV executive that got a budget of a million dollars? No, he just no. They gave him the network gave him a million dollars because he said he had a product to sell. Let's see, um, let's see career real quick. I just pulled the Wikipedia of Herb Abrams in 1976. Abrams approached photographer Bill After while he was shooting Superstar Billy Graham on the streets of New York. He told After to spread the word that any wrestler who made appearances in his father's clothing store in Flushing, Queens, would be allowed to take dresses uh, or be allowed to take the dresses for their wives as, as compensation. Abrams moved to Los Angeles and started his first business, New York Nine Limited, in 1983. Abrams started a chain of plus-size clothing, clothing, excuse me, for women called "I'm a Big Girl Now." In 1988, <laughs> this Abrams, can't be real. Fuck yeah, it's fucking real. <laughs> so he started. His father was in clothing, and so he started a chain. I didn't even know that till right now. I don't know. I don't think he got the money. From, maybe he did get the money from that, but. Yeah, she started out in plus. Size maybe clothing. well, maybe maybe that capital and that liquid that he was worth was able to get that million dollar um, front or loan. I'm a from... big girl now. Wow, wow. I I don't even know what to say. It skips. It skips. He ran that chain. Abrams was married in 1989, and his father died that same year at the age of 64. Then it skips right to Abrams founded the Universal Wrestling Federation in 1990, receiving one million dollars. The same thing that Dave just said. It's like what happened in between then? Wow. What happened? Wow. That's great. It's um, so good. I just, I just got I power through. This. I don't want this, this to ever. This end. is amazing. Abrams only ran three mo three more shows after his Sports Channel America deal expired in late of '91. <clears throat> this included a television taping at Spartanburg Memorial Auditorium. These are fantastic venue names in oh. June of '92 that aired on Prime Ticket as Thunder Hour. <laughs> See, I remember <laughs> Prime Prime Ticket was like a Fox pre Fox Sports yeah. Network. The Lakers and right. Prime Ticket in Los they Angeles. They were on Prime Ticket. To. Yes, I remember. I, I do recall that. the way through this? <laughs> You're good. You're good. <laughs> Prime I, Ticket. Craig Meltzer. Read it all. Uh, a tel oh, no. A television taping at All Seasons Arena as part of the North Dakota State Fair in July what? of 93, which never aired, and Blackjack Jesus Brawl at Las Christ. Vegas MGM Grand uh, Garden Arena in September of 94. He somehow uh, scammed <clears throat> his way from like 1990 when you first started this to 1994. How the fuck do you bounce all those checks in the meantime? He just kept robbing from Peter to pay Paul. And no like, idea. I don't know how it fucking <clears throat> lasted for four years. The latter show, uh, which was in MGM, aired live on Sports Channel America, yet it was a disaster again. Both attendance and critical reception. Only 600 people attended the show in an MGM Grand Arena that was set up for 15,000 You can hide that with camera angles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just, no, you can't. We'll just tarp that off. We'll tarp all that off. It's so fucking It'll brutal. Be, I love it. It's, it's, it's a total ever. train wreck. So who's um, the April champ at this point? By, like we're, uh, what Steve, we're missing I mean, is I'm kind of sure like it was Steve who Williams. is uh, what? It was Steve Williams. Yeah, okay. Doctor Death. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter, but it's Steve. <laughs> 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 uh, Abrams left for New York City to care for his ailing mo mother in December of '94, and wrestling. I'm going to take care of my hard. mom out. It's Piper. It's funny, uh, Piper. Why? 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 Um, why is it Piper? And by the way, I, um, I I looked up Wikipedia, and uh, I guess he wrestled for a bit too, and he was. I'm her Five hundred. That's a good house, man. I want to take <laughs> off real quick. So his his wrestling name Craig was Mister Electricity. By the way, just Who? throwing that in there. Her Abrams. No, he didn't wrestle. 
He, uh, and by the way, too, um, I don't think I wrote it in here, but uh, maybe I did. No. But uh, one of the prelims name that he hired to work on purpose was oh, called yeah. Davy Melter. Was called Davy <laughs> Melter because he hated yeah. Melter because Melter always shit on all of his shows, going they don't have any point, they suck, they're awful. And so he created a prelim wrestler called Davy Melter. It's fucking the best. You know and what? Mick Foley wrestled. That's, Mick Foley wrestled him. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm happy yeah. for him. And that's actually the best thing that Herb Abrams ever did. It's his biggest yeah. contribution to pro wrestling, besides maybe. Yeah, according I, according to Wikipedia, his um his nickname was Mister Electricity. That was like his wrestling. Oh, yeah, that was Herb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you just you can't make this stuff up. It's fantastic. Uh, in February of '96, uh, a card there called Saint Valentine's Day Massacre was scheduled to be broadcast stolen live, stolen by Vince McMahon. Come on, you guys, Ooh, wake no. up, you sheep! Yep, the Grand Olympic <laughs> Auditorium on Prime Sports Network, but was canceled. Uh, Zoog's Rift worked for the company during this time and claimed Abrams' cocaine addiction drained the company of money needed to produce such events. <laughs> Abrams died of a cocaine-related heart attack in July of 96 while still You don't say. Oh, yeah. He said that Herb was a party animal. And uh, that's why he uh, lost the business. He didn't know anything about the wrestling business. And he was hiring people. And then he wouldn't listen to them. He thought he knew, knew it all, and it went right down, uh, right down the drain. So, yeah. You, wait, why, why? Where was he? He he was he was in police custody apparently um, on July twenty third, nineteen ninety six. He was at Saint Vincent's Hospital in Manhattan. Uh, he had died there while he was in the custody of the police at the time. Get some. Um, yeah. So before his death, this is this is dude. This is wild. This is, this good is like shit. a. Yeah. yeah, it's good shit. That's it. Is. It's like the storyline of all storylines that never ran. You have to be, save. I'm a big girl now. Uh, and, and, and apparently, be, but to, to get this, get this. I mean, you gotta hear this. This is amazing. Before his death, the police had found Abrams in his Manhattan office naked and covered in baby oil, yeah. destroying furniture with a baseball bat. Fuck yeah. Abrams' autopsy showed he had cocaine and Valium in his system when he had died. Who doesn't? He, he, yes, yeah, it's normal. He was buried in the new Montfort Cemetery in West Babylon, New York. Um, Abrams' ex-girlfriend said that during the last few years of his life, he had experienced paranoia when high on cocaine. Allegedly, That's weird. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. And it, well, it's also weird when you owe various people a ton of money, and he insisted on destroying furniture to find non-existent bugging devices he believed were secretly recording him. Uh, news for you, bro. You're not that important. Um, sorry, but uh, it's amazing what will happen. Al Burke re- uh, claimed ownership of UWO's tape library following Abrams' death. In 2002, Burke partnered with uh, Todd Oakland of Classic Wrestling to repackage and license oh, Gene Oakland's son. No, through, uh, is it? It has TV. to be, right? That's exactly no, what no, I thought not. when I saw that. It's it not. has, I, to, I, I has to be. But this is interesting. It has actually, to, actually, actually, go make your mark. The library, the library was licensed through DirecTV and ESPN Classic Canada. So that stuff aired for a while around, around the circuits. You uh, should license this through DirecTV. Hulk yeah. Hogan, come on in here. King uh, <laughs> Kong Monday this out. week of this <laughs> Dark Side of the Ring obviously got a hold of this and they focused on the promotion titled Cocaine and Cowboy Boots. The Herb Abrams story in May of 2020. It is the third highest rated episode in the show's history because the story is just fantastic. Uh, Jonathan uh, Plumon released a biography on Abrams and his promotion titled Tortured Ambition, the story of Herb Abrams and the UWF in September of 2021. 
fantastic short story. Um, I, I think there was, are there couple- any? Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. Are there any famous UWF matches that we know of at all? Like uh, classics or I mean, there's stuff moments that, there's stuff or we, otherwise besides this guy being a there was this big five minute segment that that Jeff sent off to us for a little bit of research and what they showed it was like the their, it was of, their promo package I think to shop around yeah, different markets yeah it was and it was like oh, like more than half of it was was Orndorff it was just like he was the biggest name uh, it was yeah it was just a ton of Orndorff Wonderful. stuff it was weird and um that that's what i noticed about it and then they talked about obviously uh steve well Williams let's talk about that right dave listed some but they had andre the giant show up on some of their tapings and do promos they had you know dave mentioned wonderful and dr death and sid and like mm-hmm. cowboy bob orton san martino like, crazy was there yeah san martino was their commentator well because he hated vince at the time and he was trying to like so he's like, I'll do it for you, no problem. Like Craig DeGeorge, for people who remember Craig DeGeorge oh, from like the ladies, he he did it. Yeah. Like <laughs> Blackjack Mulligan, Barry yeah. Wood's dad was the commissioner. Dude, Dan and Spivey B. Brian was Blair, there, bro. Dan Spivey was B. there. B. Brian Blair was like the, the locker room agent. Like hey, Abrams mm-hmm. brought him in, B. Brian Blair, yeah. to be like the locker room and the booking guy and all that stuff. So yeah. B. Brian Blair was like a big part of it too. So it's fucking crazy. Ludwig Borga, before he debuted in WWF um, as Ludwig Borga. I don't remember what his name was here, but he wrestled for Herb Abrams UWF, and there was a lot of people that he pushed. Like, yeah, Mick Foley did a, a podcast recently, which is like I said at the beginning, and he told this fucking great story about the cowboy boots where Herb Abrams was always heard of going. Just you could hear him from around the corner trying to sell and shrill his shit, just going like the crowd's gonna love it, they're gonna go nuts. And one of the times he called Foley up to his hotel room, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, come on up to my hotel room." And Foley's like, "I don't know if I, I don't know what that means." And he's like, "Yeah, come on up. I'm, I'm gonna show you something—a big surprise." And he just comes out. He's all ta-da, and he's wearing these boots. And Foley's like, "What? Do you, what?" And he's like, "My boots." And and they they were white boots, cowboy boots, and they said UWF in the three different colors on each side. He's like, "Huh? The crowd's gonna go nuts." And he said, "That's who he was." Like, he's like, "I don't have a bad thing to go, say about him." He was for his cowboy boots. Wow. Yeah, he was like, he just he loved wrestling, and he had no business being a wrestling promoter or doing anything of the sort. And all of the finishes were like double DQs and countouts because none of the talent wanted a job. You had Billy Jack Haynes. I'm not losing. You had Paul Orndorff. I'm not losing. You had Cowboy Bob Orton. I'm not losing. They're in an indie promotion. And what I found the most fascinating was when I went back and watched the Blackjack Brawl and all that stuff or whatever, you could see people like Orndorff look around going, dude, there's only like a handful of people here. There's no fucking way he's making enough money to pay my salary. Like you could see it on their face because they're all independent wrestlers at that point. And they're just like looking around going, I'm not going to get paid. Like Mm -hmm. uh, Mick Foley said there was a situation where checks bounced on him. And there was one time where he committed to another indie organization, him and Orndorf, uh, Cactus and Orndorf. And Herb's like, but I have a taping that day. He's like, eh, I mean, your last check bounced and shit. So no, like, unless you pay us in advance, he's like, okay, okay, okay. I'll change the time of the thing. So that way you can, you and Orndorf can go on first and do your matches first. And then you can leave and go make this other shot. So he said, ironically, out of nowhere, the show for some reason had a one hour delay. So fully and, and uh, Orndorf walked the fuck out. They're like, goodbye. Fuck you. And they just left and went and made their other shot and got paid. And he's like, that's probably the only time I ever got really mad or like missed a shot because I was like, no, I'm not staying. So it's just crazy. But he's like, He's all, uh, my wife and I still lay down. And when we saw the Vice uh, episode of Beyond the Mat, 
um, or dark side of the mat, excuse me, um, on him. Like he's like, my wife and I were telling fun stories of him because she met him when they first mm-hmm. got together and she liked him. She's like, Oh, oh she's like Colette and recognizes cokeheads, kind of, uh, addiction people. And Colette. Yeah. Knew and that, she like, knew that he had it, but he was a nice guy. Like he was a nice guy. Most people that you talk to were like, dude, her was, he had no business doing this, but like, he was fucking cool. Like, I'm like, well, yeah, he was cool. Cause he invited you to your room and fucking, but, uh, yeah. And then one show two million dollars in coke. To- You're yeah, I will say that the experience I gained in UWF, especially when it came to the freedom on the microphone, uh, was invaluable. I mean, it was at a UWF event where I described it as like a light switch clicking on, where I lost my trepidation in front of a camera crew. It's easy to get excited and to get... Um, deep into your character in front of a live audience much trickier to do it in front of a camera crew that's seen and heard it all and folding went to visit one time he had kurt henning on his show and he rented out like the of the hotel they're in the top suite for kurt henning he's like dude just that suite alone was more money uh than the money they drew from the fans in the arena like that night so it was just like he was destined for he was destined for this, and I hate to say that I'm not making fun of anyone's death or drug addiction or whatever, but like he was destined to just yeah. be this train wreck. Dude, the rest and I was so fascinated. Will devour any marks. They will devour anyone that they can take advantage of. Like unless yep. you are above and can take advantage of the people that are taking advantage of you and in charge of the carny, you're going to get like rocked. And Herb Abrams got rocked by a lot of people. Like the story they told too on the uh, the MGM show, fully wrestled Snuka in a lumberjack match. Jesus Christ! So they, wow! They get thrown over the top rope, and then Foley and Snuka were like, "We're going to go fight in the crowd." So they're all first of all they're exposed in the empty arena. Three hundred people really fighting in an empty yeah. arena, and then uh, so they're fighting up in the stands or whatever. And then the lumberjacks are pissed. They're like, "It's a fucking lumberjack match!" And Foley like famously yelled out, again. "Yeah!" Foley yelled out, "He's all it's a Herb Abrams show. Nobody cares." And like oh, they just wanted this, and and the lumberjack match ended in a double countout in the stands. No, it and he not. was like, "It's a fucking Herb Abrams show. Like it's crazy. Like, yeah, yeah." There was there was something out there like where people thought that Herb Abrams was really in the belief that he was going to put Vince out of business, and I hate to say it, um, you know, they, he, he, he like you said, he also thought his cowboy boots were going to make the crowd go nuts. But I mean, when when you when that's what. That's what you set out to do is to put someone else out of business, and that's what your business is set to do. You're kind of already in the wrong direction. So, kind of the downfall of Bischoff, wasn't it? You know what yeah. I mean? Like the same just, thing. The wrestling business will yeah. destroy you if you if you're yeah. not yeah. in control of it. It will. And destroy uh, you. I and also heard Pritchard. They they asked him about it, and you said um, Conrad asked him about it. And he's like, "Well, the way we looked at it was um, who they got down there." <laughs> Like, is there any way that right, we'd like yeah. to take? I was like, oh no, <laughs> because it's just that's how we looked at it. Like, it, it, he's like, yeah. I, he's like, we thought it was great when someone would start something up, and then if someone got a is good, it, yeah, if they grew many young talent, well, I mean, it took Ludwig Borga like a year yeah, later we'll just, or two we'll years later, or whatever. Him. Like, yeah. yeah, and they did. They took Ludwig, yes, yeah, so and that worked out. Ludwig Borga is probably going to go Ludwig Borga. <laughs> <laughs> that's who you've got is Ludwig fucking racist Borga. Whoa, he's a garbage. <laughs> Whoa. Well, oh, I say uh, as a companion, maybe to our uh, Daily Motion account, maybe we should watch a UWF match. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I, I, I'm think, in. I think I'm totally sold Just on. Just fucking that. cry laughing. 
I mean, can you pl- but can you please make sure it has a segment of of Mr. Electricity doing a promo in that? Segment? Oh, for sure, Absol- Dave. Please, has why to. do you even have to say that? Come you know on. I'm going to do that. Come on, yeah, yeah, it has to. All right, for audio yeah. fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. On social media, can you give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP 2019, or on Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast? Jess would be most appreciative, my friends. Uh, for uh, me, Jess and Craig, this is the OWP signing off. Oh, go fuck yourself and go to Daily Motion. Have a good one. Yeah, watch that Daily Motion coming up.